our springboard for what we're going to talk about on this morning. That's the book of Acts, the first chapter, beginning with verse number six, terminating at verse number eight, and I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. The Bible declares, and so when they had come together, everybody say come together. together. Say it again, they came together. Okay, when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you will restore, you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power. This moment for you, Jesus is saying, is about you receiving power and that power is going to come by means of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you and your purpose for that power because God never gives power without a purpose. If you think you got power and have no purpose, what you have is self-destructive potential. Troublemakers start trouble when they have power but no purpose. This purpose, you're going to be my witnesses. Watch this. This is where we're going to focus. Both in Jerusalem, everybody say Jerusalem, and in Judea, in Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. You may be seated in this house. I want to talk about loving your church, and before we go into it, I'm just one of those that before we sop gravy, we need to understand meat, and I like being very simple about it. Let me first say that the term, my church, is foreign to the scripture except for Jesus. In other words, you don't see the term in scripture of someone or anyone using the term in scripture, my church, except for Jesus. And if you want to know where that is, that's Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. He tells Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Okay? The legitimate possession of the church does not belong to us. Okay? Real simple. In other words, when we use the term my church or your church, we're not talking about your church by ownership. We're talking about your church by participation or connectivity. Are you understanding it? We're talking about your local body by membership and not by ownership. Colossians chapter 1 verse number 18, let me show you and let's lay the foundation before we talk about loving your church that at the end of the day, the church is not like your local politician or your local political office or your local Walmart or your local this or your local that. While there are some things we can complain about And there are some things we can fuss about and some things we don't like. Fundamentally, 
at the end of the day, the church belongs to Jesus. Somebody say the church belongs to Jesus. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 18, what? He is also the head of the body. Talking about Jesus, he is the head of the body. The church. The church. Now, I want you to pay attention to this allegory. Paul uses this throughout all many of his epistles. He uses the word body. Now, body, he's not using it like water, like a body of water. He's using this allegory like a physical body. And the allegory he's using, he's using so that he can show the relationship between how the body works in obedience and subjection to the head. When your body does something other than what your head wants, that is called mental disorder. You see, the, this, is, this is the allegory. Uh, there are certain diseases where your body has ticks and things and Tourette's and you might say something. And the reason why that's not normal is because God created our bodies to respond to our heads, our minds. And so guess what? When somebody loses it up here, guess where else they lose it? Y'all not talking back to me. Before you put your middle finger up that's way down here, something happens up here. Am I talking to anybody yet? Before your mouth says something it has no business saying, guess what happens up here? Because even in the physical realm, our bodies are in subjection to our minds or our heads. Well, Paul uses this allegory to show that at the end of the day, that the church, which is the body, allegorically, has a head, and the head of that body is Christ. Amen? Which means that we can complain about some of the logistics of what goes on here, but about what God says and what God wants for your life and what God wants for his people, there is nobody to complain to who is flesh and blood. You better get down on your knees and talk to God if you have an issue about that because ultimately the church belongs to who? It belongs to God. It belongs to Christ. So Paul gives this, we're laying that foundation that that belongs to Christ. But I want you to know that the church, number one, is universal. Write this down. The church is universal. It's universal in an ultimate sense. All right? Universal in an ultimate sense. We're humans. Humanity is universal. There are humans everywhere. Are you understanding this? When you take the universal and you break it down a little more, you end up with something called foreign. Okay? There are, watch this, Russian humans in Russia. But there are humans everywhere. Okay? I'm being real simple now. Humanity is universal, but there are Russians who are humans in Russia. You break it down from foreign, you go to regional, okay? Humans are everywhere, but there are Texans in Texas. 
You're a human, but you're a Texan. Because you live where? Let's break that down. Humans are universal. Everywhere. But if you break it down more, you make it local. Meaning there are human Dallasites. Where? In Dallas. So what you have is you have humanity on a universal level. You have foreign on a uh, distant level. You have regional on a regional level, Texans. And then you have local on a local level, Dallasites. Or wherever you're from, Arlington, you know, wherever you're from. Do you get this? But ultimately, humanity is universal. And I did that to show you that when Jesus called the first church, the first church was not a mega church. It was 12 men. The church did not begin universally, even though that's what it is. It began locally. How do you know? Because in Acts chapter 1, do you know who Jesus is talking to when he says, you shall be my witnesses? He's talking to 12 men. Those 12 men would be the micro to the universal child of God's macro. What it looks like with the 12 would be what it looks like universally. What the first church looked like locally will be the standard for the universal church. If the first local church was hateful and gossipy and strifeful and envious, guess what would be the standard for the universal church? Same thing. Jesus says, you're going to be witnesses of me in Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Because that was the local church. That's where they were. They were in Jerusalem. He says, wait in Jerusalem. Be a witness of me in Jerusalem. Why? Because that's the local church. That's where you are. Start with the place where you are. Be what you're supposed to be where you are. Don't worry about the universal because the local will build the universal. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Don't worry about being a good husband. Be a good son first. Y'all not getting this. Don't worry about growing up one day and having a big family, a nice family. Be an obedient child first because the child is who you are locally and how you are here will be what you will build over here. You think that husband or wife of yours got that way when they said I do to you? There were some local things that happened and now that your family is on a regional level, that thing that happened locally spread regionally. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Watch what, Jesus, watch, watch what Jesus says to his disciples in Acts chapter 1. Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where the church started. Everybody say Jerusalem. He says, you're going to be witnesses to me where you are first. Judea is the region that Jerusalem was in. Then he says, Samaria. That was strangers or foreigners because Jews in Jerusalem didn't like Samaritans 
which means, watch this, the church does not only include people you like. Now, this is the term. Yeah, you said this is about love your church. Right. But if you don't get through to your head that you're not supposed to go to church with people, with everybody that you like. The church is not just for your clique. It's just not, in, in other words, you take the worst person in the world that you can't stand. If they walk into this local church, you cannot undo your connection to the body of Christ because somebody got in the body that you don't like. You can't love your church until you love people. Are y'all in this place? Samaria, now watch this. Then he says universally, to the uttermost part of the world. I said that to say that there is a such thing as your local church. Your local church. We use the term congregation. And this week we're talking about loving your congregation. Loving your church. Just a few things that people who love their congregation do. He says this in chapter 1. In chapter 2, you see the church start or start growing. The church start growing. The Holy Spirit comes. You have these men with 120, 120 people all together in an upper room. Suddenly there's a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It fills the house where they are sp- sitting. Holy Spirit descends in cloven tongues like as a fire. They start speaking in tongues. All of a sudden they're speaking languages they never went to school to learn. Everybody hears this noise, this rushing mighty wind. In Jerusalem there were people there from every nation, Jews from every nation, They start speaking in tongues and they preach the gospel. They preach about Jesus. But the first thing you have to do before you love the local church is you have to confirm your commitment to Christ. Look in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. First thing is they confirmed, everybody say confirm your commitment to Christ. Don't try to be committed to the local church if you have no commitment to Christ. That doesn't even make sense. The first person you must be committed to is the one who is the head of the church and the head of the church is who? Christ. Look how they confirmed their commitment to Christ. They didn't just follow Christ. The Bible says what? So then those who had received his word were baptized. Here Peter preaches about Jesus. He preaches about Jesus. And the text says, watch this, you can learn this. This is real good. Those that received what Peter was saying about Jesus started going to church. That's not what it says. It didn't say they just started going to church. Look what they did. They were what? Baptized. Baptized. You can say you're a believer all day, but until you confirm that faith, Through baptism, which is an act of obedience based on faith, you cannot begin your journey being part of the kingdom, yet alone legitimately loving your church. Do you know what that's like? 
That's like some, some, some guy or some girl, you know, you're in a relationship and uh, nowadays it works both ways, you know. You know, uh, you know girl, I want to make you mine. Now, real talk though. Real talk, I want to make you mine. Like this guy did to his wife. <laughs> Baby, you're going to be mine. I wrote a poem for you. <sighs> I like coffee. I like tea. I like you because you like me. <laughs> then you do that. Let me make sure I can do this. Uh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, we've been, you know, we've been, it's been me and you, you know, it's ride or die. Will you marry me? That's beautiful. You say, oh. I don't know why women do, what is this? What is this? What is this? What is it? Uh. Yes. <laughs> Ten years later, you're still single with the ring on. It's not in the talk of your commitment. We're talking about loving your church. You can't just go to church. You, this is not just for conjugal visits with somebody you're not committed to. You love your church first by being committed. Confirm your commitment to Christ. And if you really believe in the Lord like you say you do, if you really love him like you say you do, if he's really your all in all, then you would confirm it by walking down the aisle and saying, I'm tired of being single. Lord, here I come. I'm going down in the water like you went down in the earth. I'm coming up out of the water like you came up out of the earth. And I'm walking in new life like you walk in new life. I'm confirming my commitment to you. Some people have been coming to church and haven't been baptized. Those that believed, it's right there in the text. Those that believed were what? Baptized. And the result of that being baptized, and the Bible were, says what? And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people confirmed their commitment to Christ. Now, just begin, it doesn't mean you're not engaged if you get on one knee and there's a ring, you know. But I don't think when Beyonce said put a ring on it, I don't know if she was talking about an everlasting engagement ring. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I've got to figure out the context of the song. Maybe I'll Google it. You have to confirm it. You say you love the Lord. You say the Lord, you know, the Lord is my everything. Here you are. You just attending. You got to get down and be baptized because Jesus says, if you believe in me, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You're, in, you're on your way to eternal salvation. That's what they did first. Number two, they were loyal. 
They were loyal. Everybody look at Acts chapter 2. Two more points. We're going to let it go. Acts chapter 2, verse number 43. Let's read 42 and 43. They were committed and loyal to learning and worship. Learning worship. I love to see you in your word. I love, there's nothing more exciting to me than to see people legitimately trying to get that word. Because at the end of the, way, the day, that word is going to keep you when life goes crazy. Is there anybody that's a witness that the word will keep you from going crazy in crazy situations? That word will do it. And the word says that these people were committed. Acts chapter 2, verse number 42 says what? They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles. They were loyal to the teaching of their teachers. The apostles' doctrine. Doctrine is teaching. Read. Teaching and to fellowship. To the and they were, this is what people, this local church, they loved their church so much. And they loved the Lord so much that they were committed to being taught. They were committed to Bible study. They were committed to learning the word. Not only that, they were committed to fellowshipping. What does that word fellowshipping mean? It means knowing one another. No, we, we, and guess what? We understand this. If you're in a fraternity in here, any cues? No cues in here. Any sigmas? There, there we go. I don't know what you said, but that's it. That's it, Chris. Something about noop and fire. I don't know what it is. But don't you know, you can't even be part of a fraternity. Any, any deltas? In the, oh, look at that. Woo-woo. Woo-woo. Whatever you do. But to become that, you had to, watch this, you had to be educated so that you wasn't a part of something you were completely ignorant about. The same it is when you love your church, you ought to know something. When you love the church, the kingdom, when you love Jesus, you ought to know something about Jesus. And if this is your church, you ought to know something about your church. You ought to know people. Get to know this new thing of I can get church at home. That's not even how God designed it. He designed it for us to come together to get to know each other, for me to love you, for you to love me. The answer to what you've been praying for may be scheduled to come out of the lips of somebody you're going to sit next to in worship. Love your church. They were committed to it, fellowship, and in worshiping. This worship experience, there are some in the religious arena who are seeing a decline in people who attend worship because there's a generation that's arisen that said and that subscribes to the idea that they don't need to be around other people to worship. You know what that's like? That's like saying, I don't have to have a mother to be a son. It comes with being a child of God. Remember, you're not the child of God. You're a child of God, which implies that you got brothers and sisters. 
God doesn't want his family, in spite of what our physical families look like, to be filled with illegitimacies and fractures and friction. He wants us to come together so that we can make each other better. And they love their church. And they came together. Verse number 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Right. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all that believed, verse 44, were together and had all things People who love their church don't mind coming and being, and being around their church. Anybody love their church? You love coming here. You love talking about it. As a matter of fact, it's like loving your family. Anybody, and I know, I know everybody loves their family, but anybody got family members that it's like, no, nah, they they're down with, that's my cousin. I mean, that's, you know, that's my dude. Let me talk to this side. Y'all not being real enough over here. You got makeup on over here. I, I want to talk to unmade up here. Anybody got that family member that you, you know, you, you down for life with? I mean, it's like, no, you better not say nothing about. You'd be like, you know. Like, oh, real? For real? You know how we do. You know, you start biting your jaw. You let them see your jawbone muscle so you know. Anybody over here got that? I had an uncle, I had an uncle, he passed now, and I'll share it with you. Because the family, the local church, is your local spiritual family. You ought to love your local spiritual family. But I'm here to tell you, you don't love them because they're perfect. You love them because they're family, and they're connected to you because they're connected to Jesus, and you're connected to Jesus. And if you're connected to Jesus and I'm connected to Jesus, then we're both connected to each other because if I'm a child of God and you're a child of God, guess what? I don't care how you are. You my brother. I have Uncle June. He passed. And let me tell you something. Everybody got that family member that when you go over... uh, you're glad you saw them indoors. Let that sink. Is this, y'all took y'all makeup off yet over on this side? You got that family member that you want to see indoors. Uh, you don't want to see them at Walmart. No, come on. Any real people? Y'all going to be real over here? I know some of you got a perfect family. Every member is just pristine and, and regal. I get it. But I grew up with that family, that Uncle June. My parents will be here too next week. So you could, you know, don't ask too much about Uncle June. That's my dad's, that was my dad's uncle, so he was my second uncle, Uncle June. And, uh, and Uncle June, I have never seen Uncle June sober. You got one of those? Yeah. I, I, matter of fact, I don't know, I didn't know he's passed now. God, God bless him, God rest his soul, may he go into judgment. God to judge them. But I don't remember how Uncle June was not drunk. So we go over there, my grandma's house, and uh, Uncle June be there. And we know what's coming. One, he's going to say, he's going to say, what you got? I'm a teenager. I ain't got a job, but he want to know what I got. Don't act like you don't know what what you got mean. He said it just like that. What you got. What that means, for those of you who grew up with the Huxtables, that means 
do you have any money that you can give me? What you got? That was the only thing that came out of his mouth that I was able to understand. After that, it was... <laughs> then he hit you hard because whatever it was he said was funny to him and it was supposed to be funny to you. I did not like going over there. He would have cheese, he would eat cheese, and apparently the cheese. But I could not, watch this, unfamily him. As much as I didn't like him, I could not unfamily him because he wasn't my uncle because I decided he was. He was my uncle because somebody got together that did not consult with me. We're brothers and sisters, not because you say I am or I say you are, but because God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ came and made a change in somebody's life and added them to the body, thus making us one in Christ and nothing you do can unfamily me. And when you love your local church, you understand. It's not a perfect situation. We may have an Uncle June up in this place. One thing you better not do though, you had better not have talked about my Uncle June if you were not part of my family. And people who love their church, don't let people talk about their church negatively. There are people, praise God for those of you who love this church so much, you can be mad as all get out at the leaders, you can be mad as all get out at the preacher, you can be mad as all get out with sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so, but you refuse no matter what the circumstance is to let some outsider come in and dog out your brother, dog out your sister, dog out the elders, dog out the preachers, dog out the deacons, dog out the brothers, because at the end of the day we are flawed but guess what we are family flawed but family messed up but related fractured but folk those my folk and if you find the perfect church your arrival will make it imperfect People who love their church don't talk bad about their church. Don't let nobody talk about your church. I, I don't care if I preach. Don't let nobody talk about your preacher or any of these preachers or your leaders. I don't care if I preach a sermon that hurt. As long as I'm talking for God, it ain't me, baby. It ain't me. I'm telling you what God said. The audacity for some outsider to respect your family, wow. 
better than you do. People who love their church family, Acts chapter 2, this is the last point. Verse number 44. And they the, were together, read. And all those who had believed were together uh -huh. and had all things in common. And did what? And they began selling their they property. They had all things in what? In common. In common. Read. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone okay, might now I, have. Okay, I want you to understand this. Watch, this is going to make tons of sense. So this is in Jerusalem, right? This is the local church in Jerusalem. Amen? You understand that? It was in Jerusalem. Those were the first people who came to Jesus. Now, what were they before they came to Jesus? They were Jews. They practiced Judaism. They come to Jerusalem to celebrate a Jewish festival. Peter preaches the gospel. They end up following this movement, new movement called the Way, or the, the followers of the Nazarene, the disciples of Christ, Christians later. They cannot go back home. Why can't they go back home? They were Jews. They were supposed to come back. Jews. They heard about Jesus, believed Jesus, confirmed their faith through baptism. So they could not go home, many of them, because home was no longer a place that welcomed them because they were no longer Jews. So they ended up staying where? In Jerusalem. Well, they were prepared to stay as long as the festival. But they did not come prepared to live there. So when their resources dried up and they ran out of food and they ran out of everything they packed for their trip, the church or the people locally who were part of the church supported them by selling what they had because before they let them go back home to a hostile environment they would rather sell what they have and create their own community so that they don't have to be somewhere that is hostile to them. People who love their church support their church. You say you love your church all day long. Do you support your church? Now, you know, we look at that and we say financial. Well, does that mean give everybody money that need it? Get that spirit out of your heart. That's a nasty spirit. It's all nasty and whatnot. Get it out of your, get it out of your heart. Supporting. We support who we love. We support who we love. And we support them however we can. In this case... They sold what they had so that everybody can have something. But you support your local church by giving what you have. The Bible says if any man minister, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it with the ability God gave him. I'm goofy enough to believe, here I go, that sitting in this audience at this local church is everybody with something 
to where we don't have to outsource anything. I believe these toilets of this building go down. I believe sitting in this, in this audience is a plumber. I believe if, if, if people fall down and lose their job and those who get beautified every week can no longer go and get their hair done and get their press and get stand under the, sit under the hot dryer and go through all of that and, and, and have to sit there and let the perm burn for whatever amount of time you women do that. I believe there's somebody here when you can no longer afford it that can say, come on over here, let me get this hot comb. If you're going to be in a messed up situation, I refuse to let you look like your situation. Let me, girl, let me... I believe if you have a child that needs tutoring or mentoring or help with man, I believe right here at the local church, there's somebody who can help your child pass your math, her math classes or his math classes so that they don't have to repeat the grade. The local church, when it loves itself, it doesn't have to reach out to pull resources. It reaches in. Do you know how powerful that is? That means that before I ask you, I'll turn in and I'll pull out of myself what I need to make it because it's all in here when you love your church you present and you support it with what you offer because God gave it to you to help the body say amen if you agree with that I know I was talking to Damani and I'm just about done God bless you close my Bible. Nobody looked like that meant anything. I mean it. They're like. I was talking to Damani and uh, I hope whoever this is, I'm not going to call any names. We were talking about videographers doing videos and he presented, the young adults here have a good thing going on. And if you love your church, get connected to what's going on here. How dare you go somewhere else, come back here, and say, we need that when we have it. I was over here, and I noticed they have that. When we going to get it? Uh, when you going to come to it? Because we got it. When you love your church, you get connected. You don't want to have to hear about what's going on at your church from somebody who don't even go. You don't want to have to go across country and somebody says, yeah, I follow your church on Facebook. I follow them. I befriended your church's page. And you sitting here and this is your church and you've never been on your church's Facebook page? Is that support? Love your church. This is Love Your Church Sunday. People who love their church buy in. Well, we're talking to Brother... Uh, uh, I mean, the money. And uh, they, the young adults got a good thing going on. Man, I'm telling you, God is moving here. And they were showing the video. There's a young adult conference coming up. If you're here and you're a young adult, you need to know, you need to talk to them. Where are you, Damani? I usually can see you. Oh, that's why he's in the back. He's in the back holding up the ceiling back there. But. And he said, look at this, Brother Hamilton. I need you to see this. And he showed me the video. And uh, I personally pay for a videographer to come here every other week. 
I pay out of my own pocket because I, I, that's something I'm doing for the church because I want to spread the news. It's funny, this is the easiest, this is the easiest time to spread the good news of Jesus, but we do it the least. We used to have to go knock on doors in the hot sun and say, hey, how you doing? Do you love the Lord? <laughs> Boom. Now you just get online. It's so easy, but we don't do it. But we need to do it. That's what this lesson is about. Well, he was showing, and I said, man, this video, this is good stuff. Who, who did it? And found out that somebody right up in here does it. Right here. When people love their church, before the church has to go meandering outside of its borders, people will step forward and say, you know what? I'll do it. Because hear this. It isn't that God bless you with the thing you do so that you can help the church. No. He blessed you with the thing you do so that you can help your job. Because you are the church. You missed that. You think you got that job so that God can help you? No, that gift you had is the kingdom gift. And I've said this before. You use your kingdom gift to make money on your job. But it is first your kingdom gift. Hello, these guys that get up here singing, if one of them start break away, Damani or, or, or Romello, or break away and become an R.B. singer, you know, clean music, you know, not R. Kelly type, but you know. It isn't that he comes back and says, you know what, I got, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, so I'm going to help the church. No, God gives his people the gift for the kingdom first. And any other way you benefit is because of your kingdom gift. Does that make sense? Man, if you're a rapper, and, 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 and there's a generation we need to get this. Let me tell you something. You know what, uh, I grew up under rap, uh, 90s rap kid, 80s. And there are young people that got some bars. Let's stop. When somebody wants to use their gift for the Lord, let's not demonize the gift because it's not our genre. Y'all understanding that? And if one of the young people come here and, and he's like, I destroyed the destroyer, devastated, devastated, convinced the convinced, persuade the persuader, I'm taking time out so that I know you heard that when you come to me, you better step with the word. Don't tell them, don't demonize that. If you want to rap about Jesus, if you want to rap about something positive, we'll get right behind you because that might be, that. that's your kingdom gift. The devil wants to take your gift and turn it into a toy for him. I'm going to, everybody stand to your feet. I'm going to close on that note. I'm done. Say amen if you understand what God is saying to you. 
We need more than people who attend church. We need people who love their local church. Don't hit and miss. Don't hit and miss. When you make your every week hair appointment, don't hit and miss the Lord. Because guess what? I get it. Dude, I go and I get shaved every week. Every week. Because if I know if I don't, I will look like a different person. And this stuff will come unraveled. You sisters, you get your hair done every so often. Even if you're doing it by yourself. Do you know why? Because if you don't, something will get unraveled and you will scare your pet. <laughs> Do you know when you miss coming together with the saints and you miss that fellowship, something will get unraveled. You'll disconnect with the community of people that are going in your same spiritual direction. And if you miss it long enough and you're disconnected long enough, you will begin to look different spiritually because God created this community to help itself in him. And so the first thing is being subjected to the one who is the head of it all. Confirm your faith. It's time now for those of you who have just been attending. I know you came here. You didn't come prepared for this. It's time for you to stop visiting Jesus. Stop, being a, stop visiting Jesus. Jesus is saying, I did all of that. I've, I've been blessing you like that, not because you got it, because I'm merciful even when you don't have it. He says, I died for you, and I'm simply inviting you to come.